This is a familiar passage of scripture. You heard it last week. Second Kings chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And because we've heard it before, I'm going to give you a little different outlook, and I'm reading from the message. One day, the men of the city said to Elisha, You can see for yourself, Master, how well our city is located, but the water is polluted and nothing grows. He said, Bring me a brand new bowl and put some salt in it. They brought it to him. He then went to the spring, sprinkled the salt into it, and proclaimed God's word. I've healed this water. It will no longer kill you or poison your land. And sure enough, the water was healed and remains so to this day, just as Elisha said. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Judy. I do. I love this story. Uh, we are sharing this Lenten Promise series on the importance of water and the power of small things with many other United Methodist congregations around the city of Flint. I love this story about Elisha and the spring of water so much that my initial proposal actually was that we do this story every week during the season. We just keep coming back to this story five or six times. The other pastors didn't like that idea, but I managed to get it in twice. And so, uh, yeah, you're going to hear you're going to hear the same story that you did last week. So here's where I want to start today. I want to start by sharing with you a story that I heard years ago, one of those stories that has never never really left me. It's always in my mind somewhere. It's the story of a businessman who found that he had a problem. So this businessman had a big idea. Many years ago, he, he was convinced that motorized bicycles were going to be the next big thing. Uh, and so he raised some capital, and he bought a factory, and he started cranking out motorized bicycles by the thousands. Uh, and once he had a whole warehouse, house full of of motorized bicycles. It was then that he discovered that, in fact, this is a terrible idea. There really isn't much demand for motorized bicycles, at least not in the United States. It turns out that people who want bicycles are perfectly happy to use their two legs to get around. Uh, And people who want a motor uh, want something with a little bit of muscle, like a a Harley, right? And and so uh, he couldn't sell these bicycles in the United States. And that, of course, put him in a seriously difficult situation. He was on the verge of bankruptcy. He had a whole warehouse full of these bikes that nobody wanted, and he wasn't sure how he was going to save this thing, how he was going to turn the company around. But then he had a big idea. He said, maybe Americans don't want these bicycles, but there must be somewhere in the world where people will appreciate the value of a motorized bicycle. And so he said, where in the world is there a growing economy? Where is there a place where there are lots of people who have jobs that they need to commute to? And a a little bit of money to spend on transportation, but not enough money to buy a car. And when he put it that way, the answer, as far as he was concerned, was obvious. The answer was India. He had never been to India, but he knew, he knew that India was a growing economy with hundreds of millions of people who had jobs to get to, but the infrastructure wasn't great for cars yet. And he said, India is the place where people will appreciate my bicycles. And so he took a gamble. He put all of his money on India. He used what capital he had left to ship all of his motorized bicycles to India. And then he crossed his fingers and he waited. 
And at first, nothing happened. The, the bikes didn't sell any better in India than they had in America. But then all of a sudden, these bicycles started flying off the shelves. All of a sudden, he couldn't even keep them in stock. He had to reopen the factory, and, and he had to produce bicycles so fast he could barely keep up with the demand. And he, of course, patted himself on the back, and he said, I am a genius, man. I am a business, I am a business genius. I did it. I saved the company, uh, and I, in fact, even need to expand. Things were going so well that he decided to do something he had never done before. He decided to take a trip to India because he wanted to see his bikes in action. He wanted to get pictures of people riding his bicycles. He figured he could use those pictures and advertisements to break into new markets. And so he got a ticket and he flew all the way to India. He flew to the city where his bicycles were selling the fastest. And then when he got there, he just spent the day walking around the city, watching for people riding his bicycles. He He watched all day long, walked up and down the streets this way and that, and he noticed something very curious as he wandered around the city. He didn't spot a single person riding one of his bicycles. He couldn't find them anywhere. Hour after hour, he walked the streets, and nobody, nobody was riding his bicycles. Finally, he came to a bike shop, and he said, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to find out what's going on. And so he walked into the shop. And he introduced himself to the shopkeeper. He said, hello, I'm so-and-so, and and I'm with such-and-such a company, and we make such-and-such a brand of bicycles. And the shopkeeper, he said, oh, he said, yeah, we carry that brand. He said, they're very popular. We can hardly, hardly keep them on the shelves. And the man said, well, that's good. I have a question for you. Maybe you can help me solve a puzzle. He said, all day long, I have been walking around the city looking for my bicycles, and I can't see anybody riding them anywhere. Can you help me to understand if these bicycles are so popular, why I can't see anybody riding them. And the shopkeeper looked very apologetic, and he said, oh, he said, I'm afraid that there's been a misunderstanding. He said, your bicycles are very popular, but nobody rides your bicycles. He said, what happened was the bikes started selling when people realized that these small and efficient motors on your bicycles with a couple of easy adaptations could be used to pump the water in their wells. And so suddenly, people who all their lives had been using inefficient and exhausting hand pumps were rushing to the store and buying your bicycles and they take them home and they strip the motors and they attach them to their wells so for the first time in their lives they have running water but nobody actually likes the bicycles. The bicycles go straight into the trash. In fact, he said, it's getting to be a little bit of a problem because our landfills are filling up with all of your bicycles and suddenly the businessman realized that maybe he wasn't as much of a genius as he thought. I love, I love this story. This is one of those stories that keeps me up at night. There are, there are nights when I lie awake in bed and I toss and I turn and I wonder, is it possible that we in the church are trying to sell bicycles to a world that needs water pumps? This is a, a beautiful little real world parable about what happens when we try to serve people without first doing the hard work of building relationship with the people we're trying to serve. When we try to serve people, without listening to their voices, without seeing them fully, without understanding their lives. When we try to serve people without building relationships, we tend to overestimate our ability to help. We tend to underestimate their resourcefulness and their giftedness. When we try to serve people without building relationships with those people, often we do as much damage as we do good. The prophet Elisha understood that. 
But today, for the second week in a row, we've got this small story from the life of the prophet Elisha. The story goes like this. One day, the people of the city of Jericho come to talk to the prophet Elisha, and they say, prophet, we want you to know that we have a good city, and it is built in a good location, but we have a problem. Our city is dying because nothing in Jericho will grow. Our crops rot in the fields. Our Our fruit withers on the branches. Our young people can't even have children. And we are convinced that the problem is the water. All of the water for the city comes from a spring that's just at the edge of town. And we are convinced that the reason nothing in Jericho will grow is that there is a problem with our water. And we are hoping that you can help us. And Elisha listens very carefully. He doesn't interrupt. He listens carefully as the people tell him about their city and about their lives and about the problems that they are facing. And this is such an important moment. It's so easy to miss it. Elisha in this moment does something right that still to this day, so many ministries get wrong. The prophet does something well in this moment that still to this day, so many nonprofits do poorly. In today's world, there are so many nonprofits, there are so many ministries and organizations that would have gone to the city of Jericho. Have you got me here? All right. There are so many people who would have gone to the city of Jericho and they would have said, we have heard that you have got a problem with the crops in your field. You are lucky because we happen to specialize in fertilizer. And so we are going to send truckloads. Take the the gain down just a little bit, Warren, please. I'm louder than Judy was. Thank you. We are going to send truckloads and truckloads of fertilizer to your city so that you can grow the crops in your field. There are are organizations that would have gone to Jericho and they would have said, "We, we are going to help you by building food pantries to help the hungry people in your community. There are so many nonprofits that would have gone to the city of Jericho and they would have said, we have heard that times are tough in Jericho, but we have got just the thing for you. We have got a whole warehouse filled with motorized bicycles that we believe are really going to be able to turn things around in the city of Jericho. So many nonprofits, so many ministries still to this day don't take the time to listen in the way that Elisha listens. But Elisha listens. And because he listens, he understands how best to help. Elisha listens and he hears that the first thing the people of Jericho tell him are not about the problems that they're facing. What is the first thing that the people tell the prophet? They say, we have a good city. And it is built in a good location. And only when they see that he understands that, only when they see that he values their city for the good that is in it, do they tell him about the problems that they are facing. Elisha listens and he hears the pride that the people have in their city. And so he knows exactly what to do. Elisha says to the people, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring me a bowl filled with salt, a new bowl filled with salt. It makes sense that Elisha would ask the people to bring salt. Back in those days, salt had many uses and it had lots of different meanings for people. People would use salt as a disinfectant and they would use it to preserve food and keep food from going bad. People would offer salt with their sacrifices that they made to God in the temple. People used salt to make contracts binding. Back in those days, a contract was considered to be official and binding when both parties ate salt together in front of witnesses. And so it makes sense that Elisha would ask for salt. Elisha's going to use that salt to disinfect the water. 
He's going to use the salt to keep the water from going bad again. He's going to use that salt to signify, to represent the people's devotion to God and God's commitment to the people. And it's no, it's no wonder, there's no mystery about why Elisha asks for salt. The mystery, the mystery is in why he asks for a new bowl. Elisha is very specific when he tells the people what kind of a vessel he wants them to bring. Bring me the salt in a new bowl. Why do you think Elisha does that? Nobody knows for sure. People have lots of guesses. Some people say, well, maybe because Elisha is just starting out in his ministry. He wants that new bowl to say to the people, "I I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in me. Don't expect me to be like the prophets who came before me. Now, other people say, well, maybe it's because the people had wandered away from God. And Elisha wanted that new bowl as a way of saying to the people, it is time for us all to make a new start, to make a new beginning with God. Those are good theories. I can't say that they're wrong. I like them fine. But the truth is, I have my own favorite theory as to why Elisha asked for that new bowl. I'm going to come down and I'm going to use the handheld more, if that's okay. The same one Jan used. The poor people in the tech booth are trying to keep up with me with the cameras right now. All right, uh, tech crew, I'm coming right back to where I usually stand. So, so a few years ago, uh, Jen and I had a chance to go to the city of Jericho. We had a chance to, to visit Jericho in, in Palestine. Uh, and when we went there, we discovered that Jericho is not just famous for the walls that came tumbling down. Uh, and Jericho is not just famous as the place where Zacchaeus climbed a tree in order to get a better look at Jesus. Jericho, we discovered when we went there, is also famous and has long been famous as a center for the ceramic arts. And so in Jericho, there are all of these pottery workshops. And for thousands of years, the artists of Jericho have been making these beautiful vessels and ceramic tiles and ceramic mosaics. We got to, when we were there, we got to visit one of those those pottery workshops. And the the work that these artists were doing was so incredible that we decided to to bring a souvenir home with us. It was not easy to get this back to Michigan without smashing it into a million pieces. But it was absolutely worth it. This is one of our our family treasures, a reminder of the visit that we took to the city of Jericho. The the people of Jericho, it turns out, have been famous for thousands of years for their beautiful ceramic artwork. Now, Elisha would have known that because he took the time to listen to the people, because he took the time to, to get to know the community that he was trying to serve. Elisha would have known the pride that they took in their ceramic artworks. And so maybe, I like to think that maybe when Elisha asked the people to bring him that salt in a new bowl, he's giving them a chance to show off. He's saying to them, I see you. I see the good in your community as well as the challenges that you are facing. I can see that even in the midst of a crisis, you are taking the time to create beautiful works of art. You are taking the time and the effort to make the world a more beautiful place, even as your city is dying. And I am not going to come in and rescue you. I'm inviting you to be in a partnership with me and with God. So that one day you will be able to tell your children and your children's children that God used your art to heal and save your community. In this moment, I like to think that when Elisha asks for that new bowl, he's giving the people of Jericho a beautiful gift. He's giving them the gift of being fully seen. He's giving them the gift of relationship and human dignity. And it's a gift that so many of us in the city of Flint would love to receive. Maybe you've had this experience. 
You ever, you ever had this experience where you're traveling around, you're outside of Flint, you're somewhere else in the state, maybe someplace else in the country, and you strike up a conversation, and inevitably somebody asks you, so where are you from? You say, well, I'm from Flint. And they say, oh, you're from Flint. And then there's this pause. And you brace yourself because you know exactly what's coming next. And what is the next thing that they say? What is always the next thing that people say? They say, oh, you're from Flint. So how is the water? And you take a deep breath. And you tell them about the water, and you tell them how it was, and you tell them how it is. But the whole time you're talking about the water, inside you're saying, I wish that you could see the Flint that I see. I wish that you would understand that Flint is so much more than a city that has got a water problem. Flint is a city. I wish you could see that Flint is a city of organizers and community activists who raised the alarm and took care of people when the experts and the officials were saying everything is fine and there's nothing to worry about. I wish that you could see that Flint is a city of artists who continued to paint murals and make music and write poetry even as they were in the midst of a crisis in their city. I wish that you could see how resourceful and resilient and creative people in Flint are because they have had to be creative and resourceful and resilient for decades. People in Flint have had to learn how to make beauty out of pain. People in Flint have had to learn how to make water pumps out of old bicycles. People in Flint are so much more than you know, so much more than you see. I wish you could see the city that I see. In today's scripture reading, Elisha says to us, God sees. God sees what the world doesn't see. God sees you fully, not as a problem to be solved, but as the gifted, creative, resourceful people God made you to be. God sees us in our fullness. God invites us into a ministry partnership. God takes the time to form relationships with us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could give that gift of seeing and relationship and dignity to our neighbors and to one another? into all the world. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this city. We give you thanks for this community, for these people, for our neighbors, and all of the things that they have to teach us about you. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see one another fully, that we would see our neighbors as the gifted people you created them to be. That we would learn that you've never called us to rescue one another. You only called us into partnerships. God, let your healing spirit flow through those partnerships. That all this town, all this city, all these people might know dignity and worth. In Jesus we pray. Amen.